Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, who they've seen, cannot love God, who they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thank you. Thank you, Deidre. Well, um, we're not governed by the clock. We're not governed by the heat, are we? But let me be merciful to you today, folks, uh, because time is going on. Uh, So I want you to have that passage open at uh, chapter 4 of 1 John as we continue our series, one of the most famous on love and with our Bibles in our hands. Let us ask God to help us in these warm moments. Father, we remember the words of the Apostle Peter who said this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers. Love covers when we are hurt. Love covers when we are sad. Love covers when we fall out, where we disappoint or disgrace ourselves. Love covers our loss. And therefore, Father, we pray that we would love deeply. And may what we hear today help us in that regard for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, I've been asked to speak on this passage at a number of weddings, including one of my uh, children. It's not really about marriage and love, but of course, it's a very famous chapter on love. Um, And the question we may ask ourselves is, how can God love this 
world of ours. If, you'd go up, if you go to Wimbledon today and queue up, you can buy some grubby little tennis balls which have been banged around by the 128 people that played in the singles uh, competition which comes to an end this afternoon. Uh, our world is rather like one of those tennis balls. We are one of countless billions. We hear for a brief moment of time, then we are gone. Can God really love me? We may ask ourselves. We think of our world which is broken. This week, more shootings. We had a call about a wonderful friend who has been diagnosed with dementia, early onset dementia. Broken lives, never mind evil and sadness and suffering everywhere. Can there be a God who really loves? There's no love in the world of politics this week. Have you listened to what people are saying? No love. Just self-righteousness and hatred. Yet, insists John, this is the very nature of God. And though God is infinite, he is nonetheless personal and so very interested in our tiny little lives. He is great, he is so great that he can be bothered. I know this section is full of well-known verses. Uh, look at verse, if you've got your Bible open there, verse 7, verse 11, verse 16. And over and over these verses are told, we're told about love. And that we ought to love. It's, it's one of the tests of faith. The three great tests of faith in 1 John is really that there's, first of all, theological about Jesus Christ who came into the world in flesh, the Son of God. We need to pass the test about trusting him, the God-man. Secondly, there's a moral test whereby we are found obedient to his words, trusting and obeying. And then there's a, if you like, a social test, really. That is what we love one another. So chapter 3, verse 14 says this. We know we've passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Love is reiterated over and over again. We ask ourselves this morning, not so much uh, uh, how, but why we should love one another. Because God, love comes from God and that God is love. And therefore we ought to love one another. And you may say, oh, Gareth, please. Again, love. You may say in your heart slightly wearily and in the warmth, and we had a great prayer, Gareth, on love, and everybody said how much they love Leanne. Enough. I've heard this music before. There's nothing new. Uh, didn't you preach about this a few weeks ago? I remember the story of a pastor in the US who, uh, for the first year he was there in the evening service, he preached on the text, you must be born again. You must be born again. And after six months, a woman came to him and said, Pastor, why is it, why is it you keep on preaching on you must be born again? He said, because you must be born again. <laughs> and that's the same message, isn't it? We need not something new, my friends. We can never exhaust the love of God. Some churches go for novelties. You know, um, what if the elders said, let's put up a, a helter skelter at Roundwood School in the hall. That'd be great, wouldn't it, really? One church did that. One very big church did that last year. Is that what we need to get people in to show our love? No, my friends, we need to know more and more what God's love is like. So let me tell you in a sentence what God's love is not like. Let me get rid of that uh, long, this point in just one, one minute. You see, God is love, but 
It's not true in the reverse, that love is God's. We don't worship love, folks, because in our worlds, people just don't know what love is. We're all for love and harmony and peace. Let's go for that, we hear said over and over again. Uh, we don't want strife, hatred, and violence. But what is love, harmony, and peace? Define it. It's often just sentiment and, and popular talk. It has no substance. As we've said a few weeks ago, it's so easy to say, I love you. It seems so noble to say to our kids, you know, I love you, I love you, son, no matter what you do. No matter what you say, no matter what kind of lifestyle you live, I love you. Is that love? Unconditional affirmation? I don't think so. If we bow and down to love and worship that, we will be disappointed. Uh, because the other thing to say is this, that uh, love is not the only definition of God. Please remember that. Some churches, you hear about, they say, oh, all we're interested in is love, loving God and loving each other. Uh, that's enough. I'm not into theology, we're not into the Bible, really, you know. Uh, it's enough. The, but I want to tell you that the Bible is a very big book. And if you read it carefully, you will discover that God possesses within himself far more than love in his character and his ability. He is holy, he is merciful, he is wrath, he is kindness. We're told specifically what God is in the Bible. We're told four things that God is. God is, it's in 1 John, uh, three of them there. God is love, God is light, God is spirit, and God is... Do you know what else he is? A consuming fire. Wow. Therefore, to know this God more and more is so important. Now, let me just stop there at that point and not reiterate. But just can we come to the main point of what I want to say to you for just these few moments, really. What does love mean? How can we know the love of God? How can we define it from the passage? Four things. And these are the four things I want you to take away. And if you are feeling sleepy at this point there, you guys, it's cool over there, isn't it, really? Is it cool? Nice and cool there? If you're feeling a bit warm and you feel yourself sleeping, some people love to sleep. Uh, move to a window now. Get up out of your seat. Move. You, I will thank you so much for that, rather than you falling asleep. Just check that nobody next to you is falling asleep. Give them a quick nod. That's right. Thank you for that. Uh, that's good. Uh, let's say four things. First of all, how we know God's love. Why we know it. First of all, chapter nine, uh, chapter four, verse nine a. God is loving that He He sent His Son. That's the way that God chose. It was not another way. God became a man who lived and died and rose again as a sacrifice for our sins. And linked to that was that what it cost him is that he, he laid down his life. That's how we know that God is love. Love is not a concept. Love is not a teaching. It is real. It is tangible as a person who came to love to the uttermost. He sees our needs and he meets the needs. You know, how many times have I been preaching and, you know, I've been gasping for, and somebody stepped forward and just put one of these in my hand. Wow, they, they see a need. They meet a need. You'll hear people out there in the big wide world who say, well, I don't need formal, formal religion. I don't need to be in church on a Sunday. I don't need the Bible. All I want to be is to be nice and kind and loving I don't need the constraints of religion to, to be like that. Love, love, love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Love, love, love. I'm as good as you. Let me ask you at that point, what is that love? Define that love. What happens on the day that you say all you need is love, but you don't feel like loving? Or you're not as loving as you thought you once were? 
truth, folks, if people tell you they're as good as us, then they, like us, need to know what real love is. And here is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he came willingly, sent of God, into this mocking, rejecting, suffering, hating, and crucifying world. Only because he loved us so. My first of the four points in how we know the love of God. Secondly, uh, and more briefly, God sent his love that we might live through him. Chapter 9, verse 9, second part there. Live through him. Such an important thing is to live because, as we all know, uh, what the future holds for every person, that we are closer to death today than we ever were before. As we grow older, time passes. We may face the ravage of illness, tragedy, or simply wear out with age. So how do we live now? All around this, there's much to kind of prolong life and our well-being. It all fails, I'm afraid. At the same time, there's so much going on in life, in busyness, that consumes our thinking. There's no real quietness to stop and ask ourselves this question, what is my life? We're robbed of that question. Or we might like to think, along with so many others, that this life is all there is. Life is pretty random. And in our life there are winners and there are losers. But Jesus came to bring us life. I want to take you back to one cross-reference to the book of John's, John's, when he wrote in his gospel, to chapter uh, to, to 6. Will you turn back with me to that? It'll give you something to uh, help rouse you at this stage. I want you to do your best waking point now, my friends. John 6, 49. I love to hear the rustling of the leaves as you find that. Here's Jesus speaking this incredibly long and incredibly important chapter 6 of John's Gospel. Chapter 6, verse 49. Um, here we go there. So Jesus said, um, your father, verse 49, your father's at the manor in the desert. Remember how God supernaturally fed everybody in the desert? But they died. But here's the bread, as he's just spoken about himself as the bread of life, that's come down from heaven, which a man or a woman may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, they will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And giving of himself and eating of him as the bread of life is us believing in him. And we will find that as we do that, that's where you get your life from that's where you get your eternal life from so we're asking what does love mean and my friends chapter three chapter sorry chapter three my third point verse 19 is just a verse and a half isn't it really this is a wonderful verse chapter four verse 19 says this Well, let's say it together, shall we, really? 419, together. We love because he first loved us. Now, have we got any Christians in this morning? Any Christians here? Obviously, you're not Christians. I'm really, really, you know, know, better see me afterwards. You should become members. You know, you should be Christians. Um, How do you get here today? My friend from Hong Kong. How do you get here? My friend from Scotland, from Ireland. Where shall I tell you? God loved you first. 
Some of you you see here today, and I can look out there, you know, Christ found you, didn't he? You had no idea about the Christian faith. You had not worked it out whatsoever. You couldn't work it out whatsoever. As a matter of fact, you were completely indifferent. You may have hated hearing about Christianity from friends or family. Uh, you hated them dragging you to church. Your friends persevered. Uh, the church minister was so boring. Do I get an amen? <laughs> well, he is, isn't he? When you're not a Christian. Dull, dull, dull. They spoke to you, you argued, and they were pretty unconvincing, these Christians. You were given books on end, Bibles, they just gathered dust on your shelves. Is this your story this morning? You despised the gospel. But then you heard the gospel and you discovered that Christ sought you as the hound of heaven, as one Victorian writer called it, who pursued you. He came to you, he opened your eyes and as you look back, you can say, with joy and amazement and thanks, he loved me first. Is that your story? Or you grew up in a church. This could have been your story. But you were never really on the team. That's the one thing that breaks my heart, folks. I, you know, I see people who've come over the years, never really been on the team. Going through the motions. Sat here, sat there, where you are sitting today. Little impact here. Never joined in. Eventually stopped going. You grew up not into faith, but grew up out of faith. Parents and grandparents were weeping for you and were praying for you. At university, you took a different path and you lived a very different life. You knew all about it, but just, whoa, I'm out of here. You avoided God and you avoided the Christians. But then something happened. I love the story of the prodigal son. That one line in the story of the prodigal son where he's told he, he came to himself. That lovely line, whoa, he came to himself, how did that happen? Or something shook you, you know, a death in the family. You looked at the life of believers. You went, wow, there was a life event, a broken relationship. Or through the persuading of a friend or a parent who just would not give up. Through a book, and perhaps you took yourself off to church, and it clicked, and you suddenly realized that God had never forgotten. And that in your unloveliness, he loved you with an everlasting love. And like the prodigal son, you found a warm welcome, warmer than today, even. Is that your story today? Could be. Some of us, well, you know, I mean, we've always been coming. You know, I can just see... Uh, a couple of people in the second row have always been coming. Um, you know, never a time when you did not believe. Never known any different. Uh, is that your testimony? You had wonderful Christian parents. You brought you week on week. You were given freedom, freedom from any rebellion. You've never rebelled. You went to Sunday school. You went to youth group. It was a natural part of your life. Somewhere along the way, you were baptized. You were keen at university. You met a spouse who shared your faith. On a day like today, you can bow your head in your heart and say... Thank you, Lord, because, Lord, I did nothing. 
but you love me. You love me first. I love that verse in Psalm 16, verse 3. Our boundary lines fall in pleasant places. Boy, it's a pleasant thing to be brought up in a Christian family. What a joy it is. As you look back now, and you should fall in your knees daily. That's the reality of faith. That God loved you first. No matter what your story is of how you came to faith, God loved you first. Rejoice today. Look a bit more grateful today. Smile today. That's the truth of it all. So we're looking at what love means. God sent Jesus. Jesus brings us life. Jesus loves us first. And then chapter 4, verse 10, he bears our judgment. How important is that verse, verse 10? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, taking our wrath away. He's the propitiation, it says in another version. I remember when, some, when somebody's pro you, they're for you. God is for you. He's not against you, no, he's for you. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know this morning? Jesus, do you want to know about Jesus' love today? Just get, never forget this. Just wake yourself up if you're not yet a Christian to these truths. That God, Jesus in self-sacrificing love, he bears God's wrath as your substitute. God is now for us, not against us. God so much forgets about our sin, but sees that it is paid for by Jesus. The price is paid. And God's wrath and justice against sin is not merely placated. Yeah, calm down, God, calm down. He is totally satisfied with what happened on the cross. And then, of course, it's this. It's not that God leaves our sins or kind of forgets. You know, it's not important, really. Or treats them lightly. As if they're still hanging out there where somebody can come along and say, ah, that sin you did when you were 14. Ah. Our sins are not hanging out there, my friends. They're hanging up there on the cross. See, folks, it's not as if there's no punishment or hell. But if you're caught up in God's love today, then hell has been paid for. There's no hell for you today. Can you say that this morning as you walk out into the sunshine? Can you look up and say, no, no hell? Is this your experience? Because this is the gospel. It's been the message of Leanne Smith in this church for these seven years, appropriately taught to your children. It's the unashamed message of this church. God loves people like us. It's the greatest gift. Have you received it? My third point now in one minute, and then we're done. Uh, we've talked about what love is not, what love is. You only know it in Jesus Christ. What is love? What is it? Why does it matter that God is love? Because, well, at the end of our passage there, you see there's no fear in love. So much of the anxiety of our world is fear, a fear of living, a fear of what tomorrow holds, a fear of being alone, a fear of what might life may throw up, fear about death, or perhaps fear about what comes after death. Fear out there. And what that so often means is the idea of punishment coming my way. Come up and There's no fear in love, folks. 
Because the glorious reality is we are made God's children, we are forgiven. So we can be confident as we walk out of this church in a moment. That's why it matters. We can turn to him, we can pray to him, we can know the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's the real thing and therefore we can embrace it. Look at, me, look at verse 16 as we finish in our passage there. Verse 16 says this. So we know and rely on the love of God. God is love. Whoever lives in love loves in God and God in him. To embrace it. That love will make a difference. How we know it, how we understand it, how we feel it in our lives. And as we live in the world, how I live with you, forgiving one another, bearing with one another, sticking with one another. I was typing this and I... There was a news flash coming up, and I just put my... I don't normally have my BBC news feed. Um, but I had it on there, and there was news of an impending resignation. And so many on that day of resignation said so much. So many have said much afterwards, haven't they, really? And as you listen to that news feed, there was much delight, wasn't there? But no love. There was so much self-righteousness which stinks to high heaven, but no love. There was so much hatred, but no love. How our world needs to know about God's love. May Jesus, therefore, fill your hearts and lives with love today. God has made the first move. He's removed any barrier in order now that you may love God and to know and to make known that amazing love of Jesus Christ and to love one another deeply now have you begun because today will be a great day to begin and i want you to come and grab me when we go for coffee in a moment and enjoy our time together with each other god bless